Welcome to the second podcast in our series of interviews with those selected to Turf and Rec's Top 10 Under 40 Honor Roll for 2019. My name is Mike Jiggins, editor of Turf and Rec, and this is the second year we have recognized the top 10 industry professionals under the age of 40 who have and continue to make a name for themselves in the turfgrass profession, whether it's in the golf, landscaping, sports turf, or other sector of the industry. We are pleased to have the Toro Company on board as sponsor of our Top 10 Under 40 program. On this podcast, we'll hear from the head groundskeeper at a minor league baseball stadium, a golf course superintendent, and a landscape contractor. First, we'll hear from Ross Barron, head groundskeeper at Vancouver's Nat Bailey Stadium, home of the Vancouver Canadians. Next will be Joel Henderson, superintendent at the Sarnia Golf and Curling Club. Finally, we'll hear from Frank Shang, owner of MRD Landscaping in Vancouver. 33-year-old Ross Barron is the field manager at Vancouver's Nat Bailey Stadium, home of the minor league Vancouver Canadians. A turfgrass management graduate of the University of Guelph, he was honored in 2017 as Sports Turf Manager of the Year for the Northwest Baseball League, charged with looking after the grounds at Nat Bailey Stadium for the Vancouver Canadians professional baseball team. He has earned significant praise for his leadership and management of the team's new field construction project. Barron was an outstanding student whose internship was with Major League Baseball's Washington Nationals of the National League. Barron began his position at Nat Bailey Stadium in February of 2017, following three years as field manager with the City of Kelowna. His arrival in Vancouver coincided with a major renovation project at the stadium, in which improved drainage and a more even playing surface topped the list of upgrades. He brought in 600 tons of sand, tore out the infield and foul territories, and created channels to more adequately filter water from the outfield. While most of his fellow university graduates chose a career in golf, Barron was determined to focus on sports turf from the outset. Uh, what was it like to intern with a Major League Baseball team, uh, namely the uh, Washington Nationals? Uh, well, it was pretty awesome. I was uh, in between my first and second year at the University of Guelph, and um, it was really a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Um, I played baseball my whole life. Um, I didn't really have any uh, professional or even semi-professional experience taking care of a baseball diamond other than breaking up the field after a game. Um, but I was kind of thrown right into the fire there. I, uh, my second day uh, arriving in Washington, we had begun a seven-game homestand. So I found myself right in the, the middle of the mix of a professional maintenance program. Um, and I really had to kind of think and learn on my feet. I was part, I was one of six interns during the time and I was easily the, the least experienced. I was uh, paired with uh, some students from top schools in Penn State, University of Maryland, and guys who've already been working in baseball for a long time. So uh, I just did my best to kind of shadow them for, for a little bit and um, learn kind of the, the ways of uh, maintenance for professional baseball and the way they do things. I uh, found it extremely meticulous and sometimes tedious. It's uh, You can be doing some of the same jumps five and six times a day just because uh, the expectation is excellence at all times. I worked under John Turnauer. He's still the present head groundskeeper with the Washington Nationals. He's a very active member in the STMA, and uh, he's always doing lots of educational stuff. So I just did my best to study how he does things on a day-to-day -day basis and what his procedures are and how he goes about things. And 
I, I honestly, like to this day, almost use the exact same program that I learned from him, whatever it was, uh, seven years ago now. Um, and I, I find I, I get great success with them when it comes to, you know, not only like infield uh, maintenance and, and mound maintenance and clay work and things like that, but also fertility and, and just like cultural practices and, and everything he used. I, I really couldn't thank him enough for the experience that he given he had given me. Are you perhaps looking to one day uh, climb the ladder to the, the major leagues and uh, work at <laughs> the, the major league stadium? You know, I get asked that question a lot, um, all the time, but you know, it, it's a very grueling schedule in major league baseball. Um, obviously there's a lot of games and, um, homestands are very long. Um, pressure is, is very high. Uh, I recently, well, two years ago, I had uh, my first child and my wife right now is, we're expecting our second in September. So I would probably say I'm not. Um, you know, Vancouver is my home. I, I was born on the Sunshine Coast in British Columbia and all my family's here and, and, and Vancouver is, is such an amazing city, um, to kind of pick them up and, and get them to go somewhere else is, is really not on my radar right now. Uh, especially if it involves, you know, moving down south. Um, I know there's always, there may be one day an opportunity in Toronto or, being our only major league baseball team that would maybe be something i would think about although i'm not crazy about working on the artificial grass <laughs> but uh uh yeah no the canadians are really good to me here we you know we have a lot of fan support we sell out uh you know above 95 percent of our seats for throughout the season so uh it's kind of like a staple in this city it's a it's a niche and uh you know, my management gives me all the support I need and they trust me and they kind of let me do my thing and improve the stadium as much as I can. So I don't know. Yeah. If something came up, I, I wouldn't say no at this point, but I, I'm pretty comfortable where I am at the moment. What was involved with the, uh, the renovation project at Matt Bailey uh, stadium with that you oversaw? Uh, well, when I came in, uh, three years ago, the, the field was in pretty poor shape. Um, it is, they had a few uh, years of guys that weren't too experienced and kind of were doing the bare minimum and, and things kind of compounded into really poor uh, playing conditions all over the field. Um, so what I had decided to do, uh, being a single A team, a minor league baseball team, obviously, uh, financially money is in excess. So you kind of have to do things on a budget as well. Um, so what I had decided to do was to uh, do a complete replacement of the infield and foul territory, which I had deemed probably uh, well the most play on that area, and it was kind of in the worst condition. Um, that involved, uh, we brought in about 600 tons of wash sand, um, replaced the subsoil to help improve, uh, improve the drainage. Uh, we laser graded the, and regraded that surface appropriately and uh, resodded with a Kentucky bluegrass sod, which is very seldom used up north here. A lot of people uh, think that it's not possible, but we've had great success with it. Um, we also doubled the size of the entire warning track from 8 to 16 feet and brought in new warning track material, which was about 110 tons of material down to a depth of 4 inches. Um, we installed a very aggressive core aeration 
and top, pro, top dressing program so that we can improve the drainage in the outfields um, and oversee with KBG to help with the color match uh, to our newly installed infield and fell territories because uh, Poanu is, is, is rampant down here in the West Coast. Uh, we also installed uh, a new Dura Edge infield that came from uh, their Utah plant, um, which I was very excited about. Um, sand, silt, and clay ratio in an infield is, is, is crucial in terms of play and maintenance, and uh, we were able to get that up, and it, and it just made a huge difference. And uh, we just had that tilled into our existing material and laser grading. How was it that you uh, gravitated towards sports turf management when most of your University of Guelph classmates were driven toward a career in golf? Uh, well, I was always heavily involved in baseball. Like I mentioned before, I played throughout my entire life. Um, still have a passion for the game today. Um, going to school, I was 100% dead set on uh, going back into golf. I Before school, I had come from Capilano and worked under Jamie Robb and Adam Zubek, who, who really motivated me and, uh, and inspired me to kind of get into the golf industry. However, when I got to Guelph and I started learning more about the opportunities that are available to us and, and kind of realized that everybody else is going into golf, I kind of saw an opportunity to acquire some skills that would separate me from the rest of the pack. I felt like there's a huge shortage of uh, expertise in sports field management in Canada. And, uh, you know, when I got the opportunity uh, to go down to Washington, um, it was really a no-brainer because I knew that if I could get that on my resume and get that experience and bring that back to Canada, there was really nobody in the country separating themselves from me in terms of skills and experience. And I felt like that, that skill set would really suit me and, and help me with my career. 31-year-old Joel Henderson is superintendent at Sarnia Golf and Curling Club in Sarnia, Ontario. He was unexpectedly put into the position of superintendent at the Sarnia Club in the summer of 2017 when its longtime superintendent tragically lost his life while working at the golf course. Assistant superintendent at the time, Henderson ascended the letter under the worst possible conditions. While maintaining the high standards set by his predecessor, he became a source of strength for those affected by the tragedy. What was once a cohesive grounds team that provided a finely conditioned golf course had become a family bonded by grief with Henderson at the helm. Meals, stories, and time were shared, with Henderson making himself available as leader, mentor, and friend to not only his team, but to everyone at the club affected by the loss. As a professional, Henderson is always looking to improve, learn, and implement best cultural practices and is the driving force behind the club's ongoing movement toward greater environmental sustainability. He has greatly reduced the usage of chemicals and pesticides and increased the use of organic agents. It was his idea to use trees that had been cut on the course to manufacture cutting boards and T-block markers branded with the Sarnia Club logo. When the club acquired beehives to increase the number of pollinating insects, Henderson, under the tutelage of a local beekeeper, became the club apiarist. His contributions to the golf club extend beyond his own department. He plays a key role in the club's Joint Health and Safety Committee and developed the course emergency plan for all members, guests, and employees. When the club launched its inaugural Santa Claus Parade pre-party, he acquired the wagon, decorated it, and provided it with Christmas music for the enjoyment of children wishing a ride. 
With the help of his team, he also put together the club's inaugural family outdoor night with a fire pit to allow for the enjoyment of s'mores by everyone. Outside of the club, Henderson coaches minor hockey and raises funds for local charities. Um, how challenging was it for you to be put into the superintendent's role so suddenly and unexpectedly? Yeah, abso- absolutely. Um, to be honest with you, it, it was all pretty well a, a blur. Um, obviously, something happening, you know, so shocking and, and everything like that. I think my most important thing on my mind was taking care of the staff, you know, not rushing it, making sure that everyone was ready to get back to work whenever they were ready to get back to work. So at first, I guess I wasn't really, I wasn't even thinking, you know, you know, this is, this is now my, my thing to do. This is, this is what I have to do is, is to look after this golf course. My mind was looking after everyone else. Once that first week or two went by and then then the then it started to click completely bluntly honest i don't i definitely wasn't ready to be a super and and maybe some say i would be but you know i definitely think that you know i definitely could have worked under under mr brown for many more years to, to learn many more things um you know i really use the help from my peers um i think one thing that people kind of say i i do well of is as I ask a lot of questions, I, I, uh, I've drilled all my suppliers and everything like that. And even my, you know, my other peers and other superintendents around me, um, it's been amazing the amount of help that, um, they've provided me with, you know, if it's a call at six o'clock in the morning or a call at nine o'clock at night, um, I haven't had anyone not, not pick up yet. So, I mean, the, the support from everyone around me has been astronomical um and i wouldn't have been able to do it without them so uh you know really grateful for the help that uh, everyone's provided me with so i guess in the end I, I wouldn't say it was an easy easy turnover it wasn't easy for me um and i and i guess you know a few other things that kind of go with it was when you first start working on a golf course as a kid like many people many superintendents at the age of you know 13 14 15 whatever so be it you know, and, and then going to school for it and then thinking, you know, I want to be a superintendent at one point in my time in my life. You know, you kind of think about those times where, you know, you're, you're excited for that day where you get that phone call, where you receive that job and, and you go through that interview process where, where for me, that really didn't happen. Um, this happened so suddenly and then I was, you know, I was thrown into the fire quickly. And, and, and so I never really got that phone call of, hey, would you like to, you know, you know, we, we appreciate your interview and, and you did well or whatever. And, and I look at it as in I had a, you know, a six month interview <laughs> where they had to kind of make sure that, you know, this was the right fit for me and, and for the club as well. So unfortunately I didn't get that, that, that interview process, but the way that it all kind of happened here is, is, is the way it went, I guess. What are your uh, strategies toward achieving greater sustainability at the golf course? We definitely have changed a few things. Um, you know, we, we, we've pushed to obviously try to use less products. And by doing so, you know, if we're not mowing, we're removing dew. We're top dressing constantly. We're top dressing at least every two weeks. Um, just just dusting it, constantly trying to, to improve that soil structure. As well as, as even just the way that we mow, I guess I should say. We, you know, using products that allow us now to not have to mow every day. Um, and and when we were you know just mowing fairways you know now we're we used to stripe our fairways and 
you know, now we're now we're cutting with the 50-50 look that uh, I think is, is becoming a, a big thing in the industry right now. And, and the reason for that is is not just speed, but health of of the you know your rough around your edges of your fairways, as well as reducing the amount of, of fuel you're using when you're cutting your fairways. Um, you know, I think that we've literally cut our fuel almost and a third just in our in our in our fairway cutting. You know, a few other things like, which I'm sure that many other people are doing the same thing, but, uh, you know, turning over your, your, your leaf compost and, and, and using that uh, for topsoil in the years to come, making, you know, a five-year plan out of that, you know, using your wood chips that, you you know, from the from your tree trimmings in the winter or or, or storms or whatever, and using those, that mulch around all your, your own trees, but also, you know, milling trees and, and using the wood that you've cut down in the winter and milling it when there when there's good nice pieces of wood or, or using that to make either benches or uh cutting boards or um we've changed all our T blocks. You know, we saw <laughs> that our T blocks weren't the prettiest ones in the in the area. So we kind of changed that to to using our own trees and, and, and kind of creating that that Augusta style T block and, and then just branding it ourselves and, and, and that, you know, Using our own wood when you when you're looking at buying all granite blocks, that's that's a, that's a hefty cost. Where where we we did it all in house and we branded them all in our in our in house and it, it cost us almost nothing. And 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 the, and the team and the staff, they you know they enjoyed doing that. And it was a it was a skill that they all learned and they enjoyed doing. And uh, I think it's provided us an extra look, you know, providing a little more character for the club for sure. You've gotten involved in uh, beekeeping of late. Uh, what all is involved with that? I'll be straight up and honest. It, it wasn't myself who brought the bees to to the club here. That was uh, that was uh, that was Mr. Paul Brown. Um, a few winters prior to Paul's passing, our mechanic and myself and Paul were chatting, and, and we knew that Paul used to do bees over at Maple Downs and, and his past. And, and so we were drilling him about it, asking him tons of questions, and you know, really intrigued with the whole process and, and and what's involved and how how it's done and we ended up convincing him to uh to get some bees on property and paul was originally going to be the beekeeper of the club the apiary and since his passing like i mean i was involved a little bit at first but i had i had no idea i was i'll be honest i i whenever a bee swings by my head i still swat it i don't enjoy that sound at all it kind of freaks me out um However, um, since then, since Paul's passing, we, we've brought in uh, a local beekeeper to assist me and, and to, to help me so that one day I will be able to take over and do it all. So we started off with uh, three hives originally, and then that winter, actually, all three hives were stolen. Um, I think from Sarnia to Wyoming, over 75 hives were stolen, which is pretty crazy. It's not one of those things that you think uh, really... Uh, it's a theftable option. <laughs> um, however, since then, we've, we've brought on uh, three more, and then three of those have split. Um, and we would collect our, you know, collect the split when the when the queen would move over and, and start a new hive. We would, we would then take that, and so now we have a total of six. With that honey, um, a few things we do with it. Um, we brew our own beer. So we, we uh, work with uh, Railway City in St. Thomas. Um, and they create 
uh, I guess, a beer with our honey that we use. One is a Flew By You, and one is a Paul's Honey Brown. So obviously both of those are uh, in memory of, of Paul Brown. Um, and with that, a dollar from every beer that's sold at the club um, goes to, uh, you know, a fund for, for Paul's uh, nephew um, for his college tuition or, or whatever. So pretty amazing um, doing this uh, and, and providing that. And whatever is left over from that afterwards is uh, is jarred and sold to the members. Um, so every yeah every every year there's a a good amount of honey for the membership for sure. Tell us a little bit about your uh, extracurricular activities such as uh, coaching hockey and charitable fundraising. Yeah yeah absolutely. So uh, I'll be honest. So I I don't have any I don't have any kids just yet, but uh, I know that one day I will be having kids hopefully. And uh, you know I I played hockey. I played hockey all my life and uh, a family of, of three boys that travel hockey it, it, as a Canadian kid that was that was that was life so um you know I was a, I was an okay hockey player nothing nothing spectacular and, and I definitely just wanted to get involved and I felt like uh minor hockey needs non-parent coaches right now more than ever um you know and I, as a kid you always felt that way and, and bias and I and so I, I got involved this, this winter was my first year of, of coaching hockey and uh our pro at the golf club here, Jamie Parkinson, uh he coaches as well. So I just said, Hey, like if, if I could join with you, that'd be phenomenal. Um, you know, I just I'd like to learn a little bit more about how how it all works and and uh to get involved with uh, definitely the the community and, and, and giving back a little bit. Um winners aren't nearly as busy as it's our summers, so I felt like I had a little bit of extra time to be able to do that. And, you know, as a new superintendent, and, and I just really wanted to get to know our, our pro better and, and to get to know him off of work, not a work level, but a personable level. And, and I think that that's done great for us. I think that we have a an amazing relationship between our, our pro shop and, and our grounds department. I feel like... Uh, that's one thing I've, I've worked at a few other clubs and, and never has that always been the tightest knit between the two. Um, and I feel like here with this club, it's even pr- prior to me taking over, uh, it's always been a really, really good relationship between the pro shop and the grounds. And we're always on the same page. And, and I just really want to, to push that with that as well. So um, it was fun. You know, it was the first year and the kids did, they did great. So I, I coached uh, boys, between grade eight and grade nine so they were they were a fun group of kids and uh had a really good year with them you know and ended up winning three of the four tournaments we played in uh making it to the semis in the omhas um so it was, it was really fun really proud of them um it was, it was definitely a learning thing for me and i look forward to doing it again 39 year old frank shang is the owner of mrd landscaping in vancouver from landscaper to television and radio personality to beekeeper to winemaker Shang has had an unconventional career. He is the founder and owner of MRD Landscaping and the Vancouver Horticulture Club. Additionally, he is CEO and co-founder of Fraser Sun Winery that focuses on blueberry wine products. He has communicated relevant issues on horticulture through various social networks and has served as a bridge between the Chinese and Canadian landscape communities. Shang is a certification judge of British Columbia Landscape and Nursery Association, for the Canadian Certified Landscape Technician Test since 2011. He became one of seven judges of the BC Landscape Excellence Awards 
of the BCLNA in 2016 and has been a judge for the Mandarin Profile Awards of Fairchild TV since 2015. His long list of awards include the 2017 BC Garden Communicator of the Year Award, a Top 75 finalist of the 9th Annual RBC Top 25 Canadian Immigrant Awards in 2017, the 2016 Young Entrepreneur of the Year of the Richmond Chamber of Commerce's 39th Annual Business Excellent Awards, 2015 Young Member Award winner for the BCLNA, a 2015 honoree among the top 50 most influential Chinese in Vancouver, and the 2014 Person of the Year in the Chinese Community of Canada. MRD Landscaping's awards include 2018 Best Landscaping Business in Richmond, 2018 Best Landscaping Business in Vancouver Westside, and five Merit Awards with the National Association of Lawn of Landscape Professional Awards of Excellence since 2016. The Vancouver Horticulture Club's awards include the 2018 Environmentally Responsible Business Award. How have you managed to juggle so many things successfully, such as uh, your landscaping job, your radio appearances, uh, beekeeping, uh, winemaking, etc.? Well, um, I always uh, organize the things first, and and then make my uh, long-term goal second. Uh, I most of the time I just do landscaping, right? And the beekeeping is just like a weekend. I don't have to check the hives every day. Um, and for winemaking, it's just kind of a, the, the busy season in summer. Um, so summer, I, I don't do much landscaping. I just do winemaking. So I make my schedule really full. So I plan everything ahead of my day, meeting, work, and follow it. Uh, once I couldn't do it, couldn't finish it, I use my uh, own time, like a weekend. I probably like take a few hours, uh, try to finish it. Or... You know, I, I don't really uh, do uh, so-so. So that's a, a, a different as most people because people, you know, they probably so-so a lot, right? So they don't have much time to do um, um, the work. But I, I, I don't really do other things. I just work because <laughs> I, once I, since I came here, like uh, 18 years ago, I, I just working until today. So I, I feel it's a part of my life and it's the most, most important part of my life. So... Um, I spend most time, you know, do all different kind of work, uh, except the family time. That's it. Um, then the stretch management, you know, it's to deal with the customer and so many things. I all, always have a stretch. It's like a, most people, right? Um, so I just take a vacation. I just, you know, winter, I disappeared like a whole month and nobody called me. So when I come back, I'm, I become full of my, uh, energy. So spring, I just start again. If another uh, young person considered entering the landscaping profession and, and sought your advice, what would you suggest to him or her? Well, yeah, that's really important part. Yeah, the young generation workers is the future, the landscaping industry's future. Um, yeah, right now, uh, our industry is short of the, the skilled laborers, especially young skilled laborers. You know, my, I think the most important, most important part is the certification. Because I, I I was I was I was I was so I saw so many people they get into industry then they work like a few months or year or couple of years then they quit they get they get into different industries because they don't know um, what's their future so um, my suggestion is suggestion is go to a school or college to get a certification first then you will know 
you will have a general idea so how the industry is like, how the world is like. And you, you have in, uh, the knowledge, um, so you can, you can, you know, develop your business or develop your skill later and, uh, little by little. So that's right away. Especially, uh, any kind of province have their own practice program. So they, they can work for, for employee, uh, employer, um, full time and they just take the practice program at night or weekend or even winter. So they can, you know, learn and work at the same time, right? And uh, it's always like four years program. So after four years, they become master, um, or, or we call it a landscape, uh, hot coffee, certified landscape hot coffee. So they will qualify to work for city and, uh, so many, uh, big, uh, big companies. So they, it, they are, then at that time, they are skilled worker or skilled uh, hot culture. So I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, practice program. What uh, future aspirations do you still have remaining uh, for your chosen profession? I first now, uh, first uh, now I want to finish my uh, create uh, creating landscape diploma. It's a online program from University of Guelph. Uh, I finished the second already. I just uh, need to take two more courses to finish that diploma. Then I want to create a more um, award-winning project. Um, cause I, right now I only got, a uh, five, uh, silver awards <laughs> from the uh, professional association, right? So my goal is I want to get a gold award, um, and finish this diploma, get a gold award, become a well-known landscape designer and contractor. What would you say has been the personal highlight for you, uh, of your career this far? From a landscape, um, to... Uh, like a farmer, uh, winemaker, uh, that's my legend. Cause it's, it's everything actually is related. Cause when I learn, uh, landscaping, horticulture is, horticultural, uh, it's all, you know, uh, learned. We, we, we took so many different courses about like, uh, soil and plants, right? Um, so when we do blueberry farming, it's, it's almost same thing. It's similar. And the winemaking is different, but I, I start two years ago to learn, how to make wine uh, from the Texas Technology University. It's an online program. Uh, I almost finished now. Um, so um, that's a, that's a, I think that's a, that's a, that's a one. And another thing is once I got into the winery and the farming industry, I found that there is a big market because uh, um, in BC, not so many companies offer the service to um, design, uh, install, installation or design build the farming, uh, like uh, the farm or uh, winery. Uh, so I got a chance to do the landscaping project for winery and the farm. So it's, it's always a bigger job, bigger work. So that's a, that's a, that's a, the one I learned it <laughs> after I do my own project. And, uh, I got a much, uh, more chance and, uh, bigger work in that, uh, in that part. Please join us again soon for our third and final podcast in which we'll hear from our remaining top 10 under 40 honorees.